Built Unstoppable is a weekly podcast that features a new guest each week who shares their experiences, learnings, and helpful tips for achieving your greatest potential. Welcome to episode number eight of the Built Unstoppable podcast. I'm your host, Justin Levy, and today I'm joined by AJ Leon, who is the founder of Misfit Inc. Thanks for joining the podcast today, AJ. Uh, happy to be on that. So first up, can you explain what Misfit Inc. is? Um, yeah, so b- basically Misfit is a collection of a few different organizations. Studio Misfit, which is a global marketing agency. Misfit Productions, which is an animation studio um, where we do animated films. Uh, Misfit Ventures, which is just an investment arm where we both do social investments as well as um, invest in tech startups, uh, typically in Europe, but sometimes in the U.S. And Misfit Foundation, which is our um, philanthropic arm. And, uh, and we've got a craft publishing house where we publish uh, books as and when. So all of that is kind of like the Misfit uh, ecosystem of, uh, of what we do out there in the world. So when you're developing these concepts, what considerations do you take? Yeah, when we, when we build out a new entity for Misfit, I mean, like, I'll just take, it, take a step back. So for me, everything that, you know, I do professionally or that Misfit takes on has to map to my to, to, to my interests or something that I'm interested in. So in other words, like we don't, I don't necessarily go and scour the world. Not that there's anything wrong with this, but this is what turns you on, but I don't scour the world for um, economic arbitrage everywhere. Not everything we do, the aim is to generate revenue. Sometimes things that we do are simply for the sake of, of doing it like many creative arts and culture projects that we do a lot around the world through our foundation. So for me, it's, it's, it's less about like, you know, what are the, you can always figure out the legal instruments or frameworks or how to build teams or whatever, whatever. It's about living a life that you want to lead and then building functions of like for misfit misfit is my life's work. So building functions that, that, um, that I'm interested in, you know? So if we were to rewind a few years before you founded Misfit, could you talk a bit about what that career arc that eventually led you to start in the agency? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, my, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Um, but the story that led me to, to doing what, I do today is basically I'm the son of two Cuban immigrants. um, And my dad died when I was 14 years old. I grew up without, you know, from that time in high school, without a clear understanding of, you know, what I, what life should be or what I want to do in life. And I ended up, um, you know, having a rough go at it for a few years after my dad passed away. And then I kind of straightened myself up towards the end of high school. And I decided, Hey, I got, I got to go to university. I have to change my life. I have to go. This is a pivot point. I could, and I walked into my high school guidance counselor, Miss Mitchell's office. And, um, and I told her the university that I was looking at studying at. And, uh, she told me, Hey, Jay, guys like you, you know, don't, 
go to university. Maybe you should become a mechanic. And she handed me a pamphlet for trade school. No offense to mechanics, but that's certainly not what you want to hear when you're 17 years old, trying to change your life and trying to do something that no one thought you could do. So from that moment, I was like, well, you know, fuck you, Miss Mitchell, I'll do respect and, and kind of fuck you to everybody that had at up until that point in my life told me that I was worthless and that I wasn't going to do anything in my life other than be a drug dealer. And so I kind of made it my life's mission to be successful with a capital S and, you know, as a kid at 18 with veritably no guidance and no one in my family who had gone to university or like that had, you know, that, that really thought about these things. I just went to Barnes and Noble and I decided like, you know, okay, well, if I get into uni, which I did, like, what do I study? And the only metric that came to my mind at that time is income earning potential over time, right? So I just literally took one of those books and anyone from, if you're a child of the eighties, you'll remember where it like maps out, you know, at, at it, the, the degrees and then earning potential over time. I zeroed in on accounting and finance and, and that was my, that was my course. And I just thought to myself, I am going to graduate. I'm going to graduate number one in my class. And then I'm going to bury all of these naysayers and people who like pieces of shit, pieces like pieces of shit like this. Mitchell and all the money and accolades that I was going to gain in the world that set me off on that, on that quest. And, you know, I graduated summa from Lottie with three degrees in three and a half years. I landed a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers, which guys like me where I came from didn't do. I ended up in this really, you know, successful and illustrious career in finance. And basically that fast forwarded me to uh, just, you know, 2007, uh, December, the fall of 2007. And I was making an extraordinary amount of money, even more bonuses, but there was a tiny problem, which is I absolutely hated my fucking life. I hated everything that I was doing. I had always hated it. I was just making rich, white, fat guys in Manhattan richer. Um, there was nothing meaning, meaningful or fulfilling to me about it. But, but the problem of course is like, it's easy to walk away from failure. You just dust yourself off and you move on to the next thing, but to walk away from success is almost impossible. You know, I'd gotten to a place in my life where I was envy of, you know, people that I knew because, you know, I got the degree. I did it. Right. I did it. I climbed the big mountain. I changed my life, you know, at high school and I'd gotten this career that everybody, you know, I was at, I was at the pinnacle and, from that moment, I really did not know what to do with myself. And it led me to a place at the end of 2007. It was literally December 31st, 2007. My, my, my boss, Mike, uh, uh, called me in his office, uh, told me I was getting a promotion. You know, I knew it was coming, but there, there was a paper in my hand. Um, and I'm just looking, you know, this, this sets me off on a path of, of, basically being number two or three in the company in finance terms in 2007. I mean, these are Wolf of Wall Street days. Like literally that was when it was made in 2008, you know, like in those days, that promotion that I was offered at that moment, that means you're minted. It's a, just shut the fuck up and the rest of your life will be taken care of. And I walked out of his office and I walked back into my own and I shut the door behind me and I just started weeping. And because I knew that, any idea of living a life of adventure, of meaning, of purpose was gone. And there was no way 
that I was going to be able to walk away from that type of money again. And I just wept. I wept and I wept and I wept uh, for about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and I just, you know, at the end, like towards the end of it, I just saw, I just saw the vision of myself as a 70 year old man looking back at me then mourning the glory of this life that could have been. Um, but then it occurred to me, you always have a choice. I could literally walk out right there. And then I would be taking the degrees that I worked so hard for and burning them and pissing on their ashes. I would be taking the career I had worked so hard for and burning that the, all the bridges and network that I built so hard in New York for myself. And I would be taking it all, burning it to the ground and urinating on its ashes. But I, but I could do it. I could walk out right then and there, have a Jean Valjean moment and change my fucking life. And that moment was everything to me because it was the one it was the, it was that one, you know, like old man's verity that you are, you always have a choice and you are the one in control. You are the one deciding this, the, 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 the making the decisions in your one and only life. So from that, I literally grabbed my shit, put it in a box told my boss I'm out, walked to the elevator and took, took the elevator down to the street. And when I hit it for the first time in my adult life, I was free. And I always, I give you that. I mean, it's a fucking ridiculous preamble to a story, but, but that, that day I didn't leave to start a company called Misfit. I didn't leave to do all the things that we've done in the world at all. I was evacuating a life plan gone horribly wrong, but that was the beginning of, of, of honestly of AJ Leon. And that was the beginning of, of, of our journey in Misfit. And from that day forward, I just promised myself, no matter what the fuck I did, no matter how I did it, I was going to be 100% unadulterated and flamboyantly me. And and that's what we've done. Now, it wasn't too long after that uh, that we met. And of course, at that period of time, I didn't know anything that happened. And I didn't know what was going on at that time in your lives. We met over Flickr because we were both using a similar term as it came out, <laughs> came about. And what I would come to learn is that you and your wife, Melissa, were homeless at the time, living out of your car, designing websites yeah. uh, for, for coffee and bagels, essentially. And, um, but you were keeping that pretty, you're keeping that close to the vest. Uh, and oh, letting, your, <laughs> letting, your, letting your work speak for itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously as we got to become better friends and, you know, you became more successful, uh, you were able to move on with your life. Now, yes. one of the things that you've always done since the get, since that first day that we met in person and, and started to, you know, develop our friendship is that you've always put a premium on making memories. Some of the best memories I have are with you and Melissa, whether that's at South by Southwest and, <laughs> you know, living out of an RV on, in the corner of a lot for uh, all of it. 
and ordering pizza to be delivered and basketball sneakers to be delivered so we can go play basketball or you flying, you know, um, halfway around the world for a couple hours to spend with me when I was recovering from shoulder surgery to, you know, spending an inordinate amount of money on Prosecco and donuts in Portland. Why, why do you put such a focus on things like that, on those types of memories than you do on the revenue that it costs or just the revenue overall, you know, flying halfway around the world costs you money, even if that's in miles, but you'll do it for that two hours that you can spend with a friend. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, so Seneca about 2000 years ago, writing a letter to his buddy said, uh, so you must not think a man has lived long because he has white hair and wrinkles. He has not lived long, just existed long. For me, everything, I believe that memories are made. They're actually crafted and, and made. They don't just occur. And I don't want to just exist. I want to, I want to live. And I think that is no, <laughs> Knowing, knowing that it all could end tomorrow, knowing that, that we're not, we're not promised a long and luxurious life. We're, we're, we're basically promised today, this moment, it changes the entire calculus of your life. That sounds like Hallmark, like a Hallmark truism. And, and of course, like hippie bullshit. But the reality is if, if that, if, if the simple truth that, this is not your practice life. This is all there is. If that ceases to be esoteric horseshit, and if the pra- practicality and the pragmatism of that statement seeps into your fucking bones, you will make wildly different decisions in your one and only life in every regard, right? So I would turn that on its head and say, my, my friend, you, you at the time, had had real struggles and we're suffering and i've got five hours before i got a flight out in new york you know or i've got basically 24 hours before i got a flight out in new york and i've got a round trip flight that i can make to san francisco to buy to buy, bring, go to your house get a bottle of champagne and and and, and just tell you tell you i love you right spend two hours with you in your house and turn around and go back to new york so i can catch my flight that becomes a no-brainer <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that that's, that's something that a lot of people don't go deep on. Do you know what I mean? Like they'll, yeah. they'll certainly say, you know, and maybe it's not about the revenue per se, but they'll say, well, life is about making memories and living in the moment. And certainly that's the case. And it's through whatever lens they see that through but they wouldn't do something to necessarily that extreme. That would be a cutoff. They would say, well, yeah. I believe in living life in the moment, making memories. That memory may be something within their town. And there's nothing wrong with that by any stretch. Um, no, of course not. But you go to those far extremes to ensure that the people around you 
and whether they be family, friends, or, or you know, colleagues, or what have you, are taken care of, uh, and are made to feel special, uh, yeah. based on the things that you can control in your life. Now, in a way to piggyback on that, you've always been a digital nomad for as long as I've known you, since the day you walked out of your job in on Wall Street. You've lived in every location in the world. You know, <laughs> when we were scheduling this podcast, you had left Manila where you were living for the past couple of years and moved back to the UK. We were talking about you moving to Lipson uh, as soon as yeah. you get your visa. You're living in Bangkok for a few months. During all of these travels, what have you learned that's impacted your life the most? There is, well, I mean, first of all, just going, living out in, in the world and, and butting up against cultures, not as a, as a tourist, but, um, but as somebody who is creating ripples in that culture. So for instance, starting a business or doing a nonprofit um, project or an art and culture project, you know, whatever it is so that there's some friction, you're dancing, you're pirouetting around with people in that culture, not just observing it from the outside for a couple of weeks. It changes, um, it changes your perspective on, 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 on the world, you know, completely. And, and it and it allows you to, it allows you to see, you know, not only that culture, but it just allows you to see a broader, you know, it, it, it allows you to see a different shades, different shades of the world that, that most people don't, don't get to see, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of in, in, in like a micro sense in a macro sense, dude, to be honest, and to, to go back to your original you know, question, I, like I, I genuinely, when I sit down, I think about my, I'm a big believer that you have, you define your life. Um, you define your moments or, or they're going to define you. So for me, I'm like, I view my life as a novel and I view myself as a protagonist in a grand adventure, genuinely as fucking crazy as that sounds. Like I, when I sit down and think about my life, I think about it like a book, like a novel. And I only have to ask myself one question. Is it a page turner? Right? Like, is it one? And that's what we all ask ourselves at the end of our lives. I mean, basically it's like, is did the life that I just lived, was it one that I would be willing to read? Is it one that'll keep you up late? It is, is it, is it one that you're proud of? Right. And that doesn't always involve, you know, I got tons of friends, you know, my, my buddy, Greg from Fargo, like he's devoted his life to this town, Fargo, North Dakota, and I have a rich history there. And, and it's beautiful, you know, what he's been able to do, to do there. So it's not about leaving. It's not necessarily about adventure for me. It was, but Primarily, it is about looking at yourself like the protagonist in a grand adventure. And is your life a story you would want to read? You know, so for me, one thing is like, oh, what I've, you know, I've, I've lived in Bangkok and Manila and now, you know, I'm in London and we're going to move. You know, so it, it part of it is the 
the, the, the kind of acute things that I'll learn in each culture. And those are all wonderful and the network and the friendships that you build and blah, blah, blah. But in a macro sense, just continuing to challenge myself to live out the story that I know 50 years from now will make me proud. And, 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 and that if I were not the author of the story, but, but a reader of it, that it's the type of book that'll keep you awake at one o'clock in the morning, way past when, you know, you should go to bed because it's so fucking, you know, you just got to figure out what happens next. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like that, that's the general, like the, 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 the kind of perspective it, what I, you know, it, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that makes sense. I it does. And I think it's interesting that you bring up Greg because when I received an invite, to speak at a conference that you put together in Fargo besides being friends obviously I I would say yes but I would have never accepted an invite to speak at a conference from anybody else that was in Fargo Um, (laughs) and because it's Fargo North Dakota and it's no offense to anyone that lives there that might listen to this or anything it's just not a well-known city for conferences to be there now Greg has built it into being a city that has a TEDx and you know because he is passionate about that area but um, one of the things that you have always done and Misfits always done uh, as an extension of you, the the human, is everything that you do is extremely carefully crafted for that experience. So essentially how the air smells and, and the, the weight of the paper and the exact type of cups that people drink their water from to, you know, the art that was in the art gallery that we visited and why we went to that gallery and where we had the barbecue that night and exactly why we had a barbecue as opposed to a dinner somewhere else at a restaurant, right? Like you carefully crafted that experience working with Greg and and his contacts in, in Fargo. Why do you do that? And does that come back to the concept of making those memories yeah i mean uh, to be honest i i believe that we should create beautiful things in the world because that is what the world deserves you know and and to me particularly an experience like that like i i come from i mean the first professional thing i ever did was produce shakespeare and found spaces so I used to produce theater. And the thing that I love about theater is the ephemerality of it. Like, you know, I mean, if you watch a movie, you can watch it tonight. We can go tomorrow. We can, you know, we can get it on Netflix. When it comes out on Netflix, we can watch it on a plane. In theater, you know, there's much like live music. If you're there in that moment, you're there. And, and the next, you know, if you're not there, then you miss it and, it and it's gone. And the memory is literally like it lives in the minds of the people that were in the fucking room. And in this day and age, that is really rare. 
right? That's really rare. There's still places where you can find that with MysticCon, like when we produce events and not just MysticCon, but the events that we produce, that sense of ephemerality, like doing something, it's not just making something beautiful, but making something beautiful that everybody there knows is going to be gone and there will be no evidence that it ever happened. <laughs> it accentuates the experience a hundred times more. Do you know what I mean? Like that was, that was the, the kind of project of, 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 of Mystic Con and, and, and the events that we put together where it's, it's, imbuing a moment with with showing basically transmuting love and generosity in the work that you do in the moment that it's there and everybody there knowing no one's been getting any more money any more money because we you know took another 10 hours to craft this experience this is literally to transmute love to the people in the room and um, that's a long rambling response, but I hope it, I hope it makes sense in terms of like the, 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 the ideology that drives me and us to, to do things that way. Absolutely. Now, because of the career arc that you talked about, you know, coming from a tough time and looking in, you know, what is that, you know, that you should go into finance and accounting because it's where you can make the most money and so on and so forth, right? That brought you to this place now. If you were to provide one practical tip that someone could use in their career the day after listening to this podcast, what would that be? Um... To be honest, and I and I and I wish I I to to me this is practical, but it is to realize that life is long if you know how to use it, and just to remember that this life is yours, and it is your one and only life, and that that alone. I know, I, like obviously, there you know, there's practical advice about how to you know, get a career path and follow your passion. But none of that, all of that is, is in my life, at least, dude. And you know this from me and I like, it subsides into the background. You know, I'm going to do a thousand fucking different things in my life. I am, of course, I've published books. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've produced films. I, you know, so will you, you know, at the end of our days, you know, the amount of different things in your career that you, that you I mean, most people will do a variety of different things. But the, the, the big question is, who is driving that? Are the moments defining what you do? Are you defining those moments? You know, are you defining the things that you want to do right now? So like that would be my advice to anybody would be to sincerely consider your life and sincerely consider right now, seriously, right now, you're at you're, you're 30,000 feet above. You're not you anymore. You're not the author of the life. You're sitting there reading it. Are you happy with where you're at right now? Are you excited? Are you turned on? If you are, fucking great. You did it. You you are literally living the jackpot to continue doing what the fuck you're doing right the fuck now. If the answer to that question is no, no, I, I actually, I'm just kind of following the post. I'm, 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 fo I'm following the signpost. I'm, I'm, choosing from the assortment of hors d'oeuvres that society or my parents or 
whomever told me that I should. I'm, I'm, I'm living in a place that I should. I'm, I'm doing things that I should, right? If that's the answer, you don't have to freak out. You know, all you have to know is that that is everything you need to know. Take a pause, take a deep fucking breath, turn the motherfucking page and just think, what would you do, right? What would you tell the character? If you're at the typewriter and you're, you're typing it out, what would you tell the character to do? Literally, that's it. So it's either the most impractical advice you'd ever get, or it'll be the best advice you'll ever have in your fucking life. I think that it's, in my opinion, it's the best advice. And if, and you said it could be one or the other, but the practical advice could lead to that impractical advice, right? So you could Mm -hmm. be on this path that has been dictated for you or that you need to be on because you need to make the revenue to pay the bills and, and whatnot. Well, you help to build what you want to do for the rest of your life or exactly. at least in that moment, right? Because we all need to pay the bills at the end of the That's day. That's exactly it. But that doesn't mean that you can't be taking that moment to step back. And it's not a thing about a side hustle, which is fine, but it's about taking those moments to do exactly what you're talking about, realize what your passion is and and your purpose on life, you know, in life is while you're having to do that nine to five and understanding that that may or may not align with what that, those two are, where they intersect. Totally. Or or if they do, they may not. Yeah. 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 And they may not. And and that's the thing. Like people present it sometimes as a false binary, like, oh, well, you know, they'll hear a talk or, you know, see a TED and then it's like, okay, I I either have to leave my entire life right now and go travel, you know, with the wind behind my back, or I have to stay and eat the shit of society for the rest of my life. And that's not it. You know, that's not, I mean, to your point, right. There's, plenty of I do I've got 55 employees people work for me right so it's like and I still tell this to them so it's not like it's not about not having a job it's about it's it, it's you know some people I know lots of folks who have jobs that you know within industries that they like and they feel good about maybe it's not their number but on the weekends they're just save they save up their money and they produce uh one-man theater shows Right. I know I know people that got that have have gigs and like, oh, yeah, you know, the freelancers, they do pretty well, you know, but they're just one. And they also produce their their, their own side from art, art and culture projects of their own. They, they produce their own art on, on the side. I've got a friend who works, you know, on the crown as as as, you know, a VFX person who, you know, it's, it's a normal job, but he produces his own films. You know what I'm saying? So like. It, it, it's not the, 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 it's exactly as you just said, I mean, which is, which is the brilliant thing. It's the, the, the kind of thing that I try to get people to think is to, literally all you have to do is, is, is just flip the page and just imagine yourself typing out the story right now. What would you start doing differently? Right. If, it, if the answer is nothing, then you're, then little, you're good. But if, if, if the answer is anything other than nothing, right? Then go that way. And you don't need to know how the story is going to end. You just got to know, you just got to take the first two steps to get you on the journey, you know? Absolutely. And I think that it's all about what 
your legacy will be at the end of the day, just like you said, is, is your life a page turner in a book. And a lot of people's lives may not be a legacy that they want to leave, leave behind. It may be, but it may not be because they're always like you were on wall street, always going to work for the quote unquote man. Um, so I completely agree. Now, the same question I'm asking everybody, the same, every guest gets asked this. What does being built and stoppable mean to you? Um, it means to live a life of intention, um, to, to be deliberate and to be utterly and fantastically and flamboyantly yourself that you inhabit this earth. Well, I don't think it could be said in a much more succinct and, uh, and direct uh, answer. So um, <laughs> finally, you know, last but not least, a, a fairly standard question. Uh, where can people find you on the web? Yeah, people, I mean, if you just look up AJ Leon, probably come across a few talk, TEDx talks, uh, the documentary called Minimalism, and just AJ Leon anywhere on the web, on, on Instagram. I usually don't hang out too much on the web with Instagram these days. Awesome. Well, hey, AJ, I, I appreciate you making the time. I know we have this uh, huge time difference right now, so uh, you're making the time at, at different hours of the day for uh, me and for, obviously, uh, the listeners that will get this. So thank you for... Dude, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on um, and looking forward yeah. to catching up with you again real soon. Likewise, dude. And you, you, you're, it's, it was, it was an honor to be on anything you ever do. I always support it. Obviously. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining another episode of Built Unstoppable. Please head over to builtunstoppable.com where you can read new articles from Justin Levy. 